She was missing. Where was she? What was happening? Hi, I'm Heather Fowler, and I am host of Graceful Stories, living and learning that God's got this. Today, we will learn what happened when our guest went missing, and more importantly, why. We will learn that our guest today dealt with binge drinking that easily could have cost her her life. If you or someone else you know is facing any kind of substance abuse, keep listening. You will find hope in this story. So where did this story come from? A few years ago, I wrote a book called The Warrior. Through it, people started telling me their experiences of courage and how God got them through challenging times. These are their stories. I am excited to have Jennifer Rodriguez in my fancy tansy podcast studio in my closet today. (laughs) Before my podcast started when I was trying, I don't know if you know this, but before my podcast started, I was trying to line up my first 10 guests and I was like, oh, I want Jennifer. (laughs) And so the minute you said you would, I was so excited to have you in in the room. Uh, Your story is something that I think, first of all, in our little, I was just saying, in our little funny Albuquerque, it was quite a flash in the pan for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited to have you in here and I'm excited for you to tell your story. And before the main part of the story, I know you were going to talk a little bit about your past. So tell us about kind of what, where you've been, what you've done, what... Um, so just a little bit about me. I'm 33 years old and alcohol was a big part of my life for about 12 years. Um, pretty bad for about 10. Um, I was in a emotional and physical, um, abusive relationship that, um, I was too prideful to talk to anybody about what was going on. So I would mask those feelings and emotions up with alcohol. Mm. And it started off very small as my tolerance was, you know, I couldn't handle it very much. But then once I would drink, then I didn't have those feelings and I felt almost normal again because I wasn't, I didn't have them. They weren't, they weren't fresh. So when you drank, Mm -hmm. then all the yuck would go away. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then as the abuse got worse, my drinking started to get worse. Um, once again, like I said, I didn't tell anybody. I was too prideful. Um, and I would just hide. You know, I started, you know, coloring my hair a different color. And I just became a completely different person that would run from relationship to relationship to find somebody that would make me feel whole again. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't that person mm-hmm. because I didn't love myself. Mm-hmm. So I would find that person that could make me feel that way. But then... I would have nightmares of the physical abuse. And it was like if it was happening right in the moment. And then immediately I would be in such a huge panic attack that the first liquor store, the first place that I could get alcohol from, like if I had to leave work, if I had to call into work, whatever I had to do, I had to get it because that's what I knew to get rid of those feelings. Um and so I did that for several years, and then I met my husband now, Daniel, and he knew about my drinking, and um, 
he always knew that there was a better piece of me, but that him, that he was going to help me find it. And at that time, you know, he was a Christian and would always tell me that God had better plans for me, but I couldn't see it. Mm. I did the AA and all the counseling that was was asked of me or recommended to me from, you know, friends and family and um, especially several people that had work with my mom. They are in recovery themselves. And so they had recommended certain groups for me to go to. And it just didn't work for me. You know, you can't put a blanket over alcoholism or any addiction for that matter. Um, what I was going through was something that only God could heal, but I didn't know that. And so I did EMDR therapy, which... What is EMDR? So it's a light therapy where... So your brain, when you have traumatic events, it blocks you from having those memories. And so you almost need to process them. So every time I would go through EMDR therapy to process the abuse so that I would stop having the nightmares, the nightmares increased and got worse for me. So then hence the drinking would be even worse during those times. And then... You know, I would go six months, eight months, and I wouldn't have a nightmare or I wouldn't encounter um, a situation that made me feel those same feelings that I felt when I was getting abused. Mm. Um, But the moment that I had that nightmare or an encounter, and it could be, when I say encounter, I could go and I could see one of my ex's friends mm. at a grocery store or and at, that could trigger and it. that triggered it instantly. And then I didn't want to leave my house. Oh. It got so bad that I would be, you know, like a hermit. I did not want to come out. I didn't want to have light, nothing. And, um, I didn't, you know, the only thing I knew was to keep going through AA and going through everything that, that seems to is supposed to work. Correct. And I think cuz you and I've talked about this a little bit. What I think I've heard you say is that it's not that AA is bad. It's not that EMDR am I saying that yeah, right? EMDR, EMDR mm-hmm. therapy is is bad. It's just that you can't put a blanket over everybody's Right. situation. Mm-hmm. And so it might be fabulous for Joe Schmo down the street, mm-hmm. but it didn't work for you. Correct. Gotcha. And, you know, for the longest time, you know, my husband, especially, he kept saying, why are you wasting all this money doing this when really it's just making you worse? Because it was the, the drinking increased, the nightmares increased. Um, I had been on several different medications to help with the depression, PTSD and anxiety, and all of that made it worse. And there wasn't, you know, I had probably seen, I don't know, eight to 10 different counselors here in the state. I had also gone out of state. Really? To a rehab uh, rehab center out there to see if I could get, you know, if I was with other people. But at the same token, like I said, you can't put a blanket because my situation of why I was drinking was different than everybody that I was with or the individuals who were using drugs for, for what they were going through. You can't, one of the things that um, I used to get told a lot was, I know what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And for me, you didn't know what I was going through. No different than when I meet people, like now that I've come out and open on social media about drinking and everything else, you know, I took that, I took my mask off. And now that I've talked about it, I've met a bunch of beautiful women and men that tell me their story and none of us are the same story. Wow. Wow. And so I think that was hard for me because I would be told, you know, I know what you're going through. Do this. <laughs> so, of course, I'm like, okay, it works. I'm going to do this. it. You know, well, I, from what I hear, 
you really were searching for the thing to help. It wasn't that you were laying back going, okay, I'm done. This is not working. I'm just going to be a hermit here at my house forever. Right. You were going after something to help. Mm-hmm. So when did it all crescendo? Um, About a year ago, actually, in October. Um, I know I have the date somewhere. I want to say like October. But like October 2019. 8, 9, 10, yeah, 2019. <laughs> so there was a situation in that brought some horrible memories for me. This brought up awful, awful, just gut-wrenching. Mm. And I was taking it out on my husband, thinking it was him that was mm. doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew that I was going to spiral. But when mm-hmm. you know you're going to spiral and you know that you have those feelings, it's at that point in my life, I didn't know how to handle it. Wow. I didn't know where to turn other than the coping mechanism that had been my best friend for 12 years. Mm-hmm. So I was drinking and um, my husband was like, you know what? I know, I know you're going through something because you haven't been going through this for a while. And you were doing really good. What's going on? And I just, I just shut down. I just mm. completely shut down. And it was, you know, it literally sent me walking out of my house onto the streets because I just couldn't handle it anymore. So you just, did you just walk? Walk. I just walked out. Okay. So I couldn't handle anything that was going on. The drinking was helping, but it was, it was such a short period you know, um, because I had drank so much during that time, there's not a lot that I remember of piecing it together, but I knew that I just couldn't handle it anymore. And when I walked out, so I will tell you, I remember that mm-hmm. because you and I have been friends on social media and we have a very close friend in between us mm-hmm. that has connected you and I together and she told me Jennifer's missing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I put it up on social media, Jennifer's missing. And she put it up on social media. And all of a sudden, it was everywhere. And it was on the news. I mean, you didn't even realize it. You were famous. <laughs> <laughs> when when all said was done, I when I woke up um, in a park, mind you. Oh, wow. So that's when I knew. So I woke mm. up in a park. And what day was that? Do you know? A Tuesday. So you went missing on... I think a Friday. Sa- a Friday? And I was gone Friday, Saturday, Tuesday. Sunday, Monday. And Tuesday you woke up in the park mm-hmm. and you were kind of with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I remember laying there. And it was cold. It was October. Oh, my. <laughs> that so would have been cold. <laughs> I remember just laying there and looking up in the sky and I just... I asked God to take it from me. Like, Mm. I just, you know, I told him to take all of it. All the pain that I was carrying for so long. The worry, the anxiety, the fear, the alcohol, just to take it. Like, I didn't want it anymore. You were done. And I cried, and I cried for hours. Mm. And I remember a cop came up to me, and he said, you know, you're missing. (laughs) You're missing. Yeah. (laughs) He said, you know, a lot of people are out there looking for you, and I... Was so bless his heart for mm-hmm. seeing your face and yeah. knowing from the flyer that it was you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And then that's how I know 
I knew how many people were out there because as I walked home, because he was like, I'll give you a ride. And I was like, you know, I just want to walk. Oh, wow. So I walked home and I saw all the flyers. Oh. And as I took them all down, as I walked home. Really? And then my aunt saw me mm-hmm. walking mm-hmm. and she picked me up and took me home. Mm-hmm. And then from that day, I knew my life was changed forever. Mm. Like I knew because when I walked in the house, it wasn't, I wasn't begging for my husband to stay with me. I wasn't, you know, saying, you know, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. It was, I gave it all to God and I'm not going to, I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to take it back. I'm not going to take it back because (laughs) I knew that the moment I allowed any of that back in my life, then I was almost like spitting in God's face because I had given it to him. You Mm -hmm. know, someone had told me to do that a long time ago and said, you have to give it all. And I was like, but this, this, this is mine, so I'll give you some, but I'm going to keep a little bit because it was my security blanket. Right. And it was something that had traumatized me for so long, and I felt for the longest time that if I did what everybody had told me and I went through therapy, that I would get the answers that I wanted. But you're never going to get those answers. Um, so you have to give it all to God in order for him to heal you. Um, well, you know, I'll... I'll I've heard that before Mm -hmm. in lots of different scenarios. And so I can just hear you being told that I be, I think I've even used it with some of my stuff that I've taught that you have to give it to God. But so often I give things to God and I go, ah, never mind, And I want to take it Mm -hmm. back. (laughs) So have there been any times you wanted to take it back that you didn't, or was it just really a clean break? You know, honestly, it was a clean break. Awesome. Because, you know, somebody asked me recently, um, actually my husband and a couple of his friends, because his friends, um, they don't believe Mm -hmm. and they don't believe that someone that has an addiction to alcohol can just stop and not have a craving or not have the desire. But the thing, like I said before, is every, there's not a blanket over addiction. Right. And my story and the reason I drank is not the same as a lot of people who are addicted to, to alcohol, they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he was trying to use his friend's, you know, family member as an example. I said, you know, I drink as a coping mechanism. But here's the thing. I only drank uh, when it was something that um, brought up painful memories. Mm. I'm talking painful, painful. Yeah. Physical abuse. If I saw someone that was involved in that abusive situation... I would go into a panic mode, and then it was instant nightmares. When what I, about, like, movies and that kind of thing? Um, if you watched a movie, would it bother you, or could you divorce yourself from the movie? You know, there's only—I would watch shows, mm-hmm. um, and when I would get really depressed, it's funny that you say that, because, say, like, um, Law & Order, Special Victims. Right. So, like, I when I would binge drink for my emotions, I would binge watch oh, that's those type of shows. That's and that's when my husband knew I was going to spiral mm. because that's when those shows came back on. You know, we, and how I say it's a clean slate, that God just completely took it from me, is I haven't had a nightmare mm. since last year. I have dreams, but I don't have any nightmares. I don't have anything to do with my past. There's not one single thing that has come up while I've been doing anything that has that would cause me to drink. Um, but one other thing that a lot if you were to interview a lot of people <laughs> that if, that know my story in the last, you know, 
387 days, I actually have made connections with people. Mm -hmm. Before, I wouldn't talk to you. I wouldn't look at you. I would, you know, like social, like I would, I had the mask of denial on. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't want you to know me, even just as a person. I wanted to keep my life closed closed because I didn't trust anybody because I had been hurt so bad that nobody was welcome in my bubble. When God removed all of that fear, worry, anxiety, depression, PTSD, all of it, he took it all. I have came out of my shell. I have, you know, started talking to friends that I went to high school with. I have made new friends mm-hmm. with coworkers, friends with, you know, people that just that I met at Landon school or even and Landon Daniel. is your son. And Landon is my son. <laughs> and um yeah. And you're on podcasts. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, which would have never happened. I'm telling you, when you asked me if it had been last year you wanted to talk to me about it, I'm like, no. No, It's not going to no happen. And it probably wouldn't have happened. So when I was eight months sober, I took the mask of denial off. Mm. And I opened up on social media. And um, the Holy Spirit told me to do so. Because I was, con- I was, there was a part of me that says, you know what? If there's anybody that I can help. God healed me so that I could help other people, okay. even if it's just one person. So you are about to go into a, the next part of our podcast, okay. but I know that there are people that are going to ask you mm-hmm. or there are going to be people that are screaming at their podcast listening <laughs> device that are going, what happened when you walked in your house? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, my husband gave me a hug and he was crying. Mm. Um, my son wasn't there yet. Um, my brother was there and he did the same thing, you know, tearful. Um, and then everybody just showed up slowly after that. Um, it was a whirlwind of emotions. Um, a lot of, there's still several people that don't talk to me Mm -hmm. because of it. You know, when you, when you're a family member or your spouse's family members that have somebody who, you know, we could use alcohol as it's the same as cheating, okay? When you have someone that constantly hurts your family member, they don't want to interact with you anymore mm. because they don't understand why you constantly did it. Even though, like, I don't make excuses for my actions. Like, I take ownership for everything that happened um, because we have free will and that was still my choice. Like, I chose to use alcohol as my coping mechanism. There are 150 billion coping mechanisms out there that I know of now. But back then, (laughs) that was it it because I was young and alcohol was introduced to me right out of high school, not during, um, right out of high school. And when something numbs those feelings, you don't try for something else. Right, right. So, um, you know, there's a lot of healing that happened within the first couple. So my husband stayed home for a week with me. Until I went back to work, which, you know, I am beyond grateful. And hopefully some of my coworkers listen to the podcast because, you know, it was God's grace that got me my job back because I had to humble myself and talk to my boss and HR about what was really going on. And that is not something that I could have done without his strength because I would have said, you know, I'm okay. I'm going to go on to the next or probably another city because my face is all over. You know, it's hard. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That I would work have with 150 take... some people and they all knew because when I was missing, HR brought in a team to counsel people in case anything bad had happened to me. Oh. So, 
you know, it wasn't something, you know, when I got back, not a lot of people asked me, but there's still, you could always tell, right. you know, because people are, they're well, we're and, curious. We look at the world we live in. Everybody, curious. Yes. It's our, you know, and, our and nature. That's part of the whole point of this podcast is so that we can hear people's stories mm-hmm. and then we know what to do. So before we get into what to do, I do want to hear, because you've mentioned God a few times, you've mentioned the Holy Spirit and how he guided you. How did... Just give me a synopsis. What do you want to say about how God brought you out of that? Um, it's a hard one. Yeah. Um, so growing up, I didn't have a relationship with Christ. So I always had a lot of people praying for me, though. Mm-hmm. So as I got in the relationship with my husband, his whole family knew. And they had been praying for me from day one. Mm-hmm. And because they didn't want to see anybody suffer. Right. And my mother-in-law's, um, which I'm hoping she's okay with me talking about it, um, you know, she comes up from a family of alcoholism, too. So she knows the pain that it causes, and she didn't want anybody to suffer the way her family had suffered. And so I think I had a whole thing that I wanted to say about this, and I'm kind of drawing a blank, but... Um, I know one of your questions when we had talked previously is, mm-hmm. where was God in this? Yeah. And... One of the things that I had really thought about, because some of the people that I talk to is, you know, they don't know God. They didn't have a relationship with Christ. Well, neither did I. I mm-hmm. didn't. You mm-hmm. know, I started having a relationship in the midst. I was baptized when Landon, with my son, was one years old. Mm-hmm. And I started having that relationship and really starting to learn about Christ. But but it was a new relationship. But it was a new relationship. But God is with us from the day that we were born. He is with and us. And he loves us. And he loves us. <laughs> and we are all his children. And so I think from the moment that I was having that pain and suffering, he was there. I just didn't know it. He was probably trying to guide me not to drink, but I chose because that's my choice. He gives us free will. I chose to go down that path. But during the whole time, he protected me mm. because honestly and without a shadow of a doubt, I, if it wasn't for God and his grace and mercy on me, I probably would be dead. Wow. He had better plans for me. I didn't know it, but with the amount and the time, so my drinking was always binging. It wasn't a constant thing. It was just binging. You know, I've talked to you about that before. And so. And it was usually binging after there was some kind of trigger from mm-hmm. the abuse in the past, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So with binging, it's very risky. Mm. You know, I have personally known people that have died from binge drinking because they just over drink they go to sleep and you just stop breathing and if my husband was here today he would tell you that happened multiple times where he had to call the ambulance on me mm-hmm. to have me admitted so that I could get fluids because there was a fine line of coming back and you know it was God with me that whole time oh, that's good that's good. That, you know, that's why I'm here today. And that's why I've I've said yes to doing the podcast. And that's why I took the mask of denial off because there's somebody out there that needs to hear it because they could probably be in the same shoes I am where they're drinking either constantly or they're binge drinking and they just want out. And so when God you're in the there. midst, yeah, when you're in the midst of it, you don't know, you, you know, you want out, but you don't know how to get out. Right. So, you know, the other thing that just struck me is you in the park that Tuesday mm-hmm. when you'd been missing for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, two, five days mm-hmm. and a cop sees you mm-hmm. 
and stops at, right at the right time, mm-hmm. you know, and that's God. I, I see all, God all over your story. Um, since then, mm-hmm. you were saying that you want to start a couple things and maybe even a business. I'd love for you to tell them what, um, what God's leading you to now. Yeah, so I have several ideas. Um, one is putting together a Bible study that works through Celebrate Recovery. Um, I'm personally working through it, and it is powerful. Um, you want to tell, is there like a, I'm familiar with Celebrate Recovery, so I know what it is, but so, so that people know what that if is. If you are in recovery, it probably hits home with them, but if you've heard of AA, they use what's called the big book, which is, um, I might be saying this wrong, but two men that were alcoholics had wrote this book. And there's a lot of stories in there, but for me, Listening to somebody else's story about how they got sober or what they what they think they needed to do to get sober and stay sober and remain sober wasn't working for me. And then when I picked up Celebrate Recovery, it was taking God's word and putting it into practice. Like, this is the first principle. And the first principle is what I'm working on is that mask of denial Mm. you have to remove the mask in order because you have to be you have to make yourself vulnerable and allow everybody to see that that's because we are all children of christ and we all make poor decisions but (laughs) when we mask those those sinful you know alcohol when we mask it we're fake Mm -hmm. and we're not showing we're not doing anything to help anybody and so even though I didn't want to, most alcoholics, they don't really want to talk about it because you don't want to get judged. But when mm-hmm. you take that mask of denial off, God is on your side and you don't care what people think of you. Honestly, for me, I publicly talk about it. I've publicly talked about it on social media, which was never going to happen to anybody <laughs> that I meet. My coworkers, you know, for me, it was a part of my life and a part of my story. And there's no shame in that. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I love that. And I I just think that sharing your experiences with other people is, is powerful. So that brings us to the third part of the podcast (laughs) and just advice. What would you tell? Cause I want to give a shout out to your sweet husband because my husband and I have a marriage ministry and it sounds like he has been by your side through thick and thin. So mm-hmm. shout out to Daniel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but what would you say to other Daniels? What would you say to other moms whose daughter is going, struggling the way you did? What would you say to the family members um, and maybe close friends? Never give up. Um, don't give up hope. Pray and pray and pray. Um, but don't enable. Okay. I think that's key because we, as alcoholics or anything that you're going through that use a coping mechanism or you have a struggle, if we are being enabled, then we're not learning. I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, You know, I think a lot of people have heard the word enabled, but give us just a, a little sentence of what does enabling mean? So don't condone the actions. Don't excuse excuse the behavior. So if you're, if you, for me, my parents, which are absolutely amazing, would always be by my side, no matter what mistake I made. 
which, you know, parents are going to do. But in order for me to learn, I had to go through the pain myself. Walking out that door for the five days was me being on my own and enduring the pain that I had put myself through. So in order for God to heal you, you have to endure that pain. He doesn't want us to go through pain. But in order to learn the lessons that we need to learn to turn to him, sometimes we have to go through those painful situations and when you have somebody enabling you and accepting it and doing everything for you and treating you like you're a child again you're not going to be able to get on your own two feet and I say that because I'm currently helping somebody who is enabled Mm. by their family and she doesn't know how to do anything on her own right and so I think that that's important because you want to be there for your loved one as they're going through this and the best way to be there is to listen Allow them to come to you because let me tell you, if when I would get constant phone calls of, or just like questions, well, what are you doing? Are you drinking? You know, like, (laughs) or are you having a bad day? Cause your attitude sounds like you're having a bad day and it's going to lead you down to like, so if you start accusing somebody Mm. or nagging them or egging them on, that's not good either. That's not good either because you're whatever it could trigger. Like for me, it would trigger the same type of like narcissistic behavior relationship that I was in that would cause me to drink. I wouldn't be drinking at that time, mm-hmm. but it maybe it wouldn't happen that day, but it would eventually cause me to go down that road. So let me ask you this. Would it be good for family members and the person to sit down once there is sort of an understanding of what's going on? And like you say, with your Celebrate Recovery first step, the mask is gone. Mm-hmm. Is it a good idea to sit down and say, and discuss the situation and discuss the triggers mm-hmm. so that parents don't feel like they need to nag. They they right. will know, oh, she's watching SVU. Right, right. <laughs> we need to. Well, we sometimes when you are in the midst of your addiction, you don't know necessarily what mm. triggers you. Okay. So you can, for me, I didn't always know. Okay. That's I didn't been know until I was, so I knew some. Mm-hmm. especially when I would see violence. Okay? okay. So if I saw it, but mine would be triggered, you know, it could just be like a conversation. Yeah. And something within that conversation, I would fall asleep. Or mm. if you fell asleep, if I fell asleep angry, that's not that good. would trigger for me in my dreams. Oh, and the I would bad start dreams, the bad dreams, which starts mm-hmm. the spiral. Okay. So next bit of advice mm-hmm. for someone going through that. To never to know that you're never alone. Because for me, I thought I was alone. I always thought that I was alone. And that no matter what, it didn't matter who. So when you are in your midst of your addiction, and I know this from multiple people that I've talked to, including my own, you you there's two types. You either are a very social drinker or social drug user okay mm-hmm. but we're just gonna use alcohol either you're very social and you constantly drink and you annoy the crap out of your friends and they don't want to go out with you anymore so <laughs> then you come home and you start drinking by yourself or you're already a closet drinker doing it by yourself so you're already doing it by yourself and so you're already alone and so the more you drink the more depressed you get uh. and so for anybody out there that is struggling just know that you're never alone and start reaching out to people Um, that's part of the reason why I want to create the business idea that I have that I want to call never alone is because I want to create a line that 
is going to support other men and women out there struggling. And it doesn't have to be just alcohol. My, my idea is for anybody struggling with any type of addiction, because when you're an addiction, you honestly feel like you're alone. Absolutely. That nobody understands you because you're different. We are different. Everybody's different. We just have different addictions and we have different coping mechanisms and we're all different, but we're not alone. And so I want to create a group and I haven't decided if I want to do it on Facebook or on Instagram or how I want to do it, but where if you are in the midst of your addiction, you can reach out anonymously or, you know, pretty much you would start out with just reaching out to me and just have someone to talk to. Or if you're here locally, I come meet you. And I think that's, that's something that, you know, People talk about go to AA, then that makes you vulnerable right away. You got to get up. You got to go to a meeting. And we've all seen the videos or the Mm -hmm. TV shows. Mm -hmm. Hi, my name's Heather. I'm an alcoholic. And you don't want to do that when you're in the midst. If you're struggling Mm -hmm. and you are so like you are on the verge or you're already in it, you don't want to go get go anywhere. And you don't want to say, hi, I'm Jennifer. I'm an alcoholic. You don't want to identify yourself Mm -hmm. as that. So if there was a place where you could just call Or even get on Facebook and put a message and thing like, I need prayer. I'm struggling. This is what I'm going through. I know that a lot of people who are struggling don't believe, but we still are never alone. Whether we know God or we have an active relationship with God. God's always there. God's always there. And he loves them. And so those people need to know that there is hope for them and that there are a bunch of us out there Mm -hmm. that want to help them at least get through it we're not trying to take away anything that they're going through but we want to be there supportive so if they just want to say hey you know i'm struggling this is what i'm going through or i feel like this or what did you do when you were like this there's a lot of us out there that can give advice or just be an ear so let's get this started okay, okay. You, you have a business name mm-hmm. it's called never alone mm-hmm. you don't know how it's going to be yet nope. but if someone is listening mm-hmm. and they're struggling can they comment on the podcast and get a message to us and i could get them your phone number yes absolutely yay, yay. we're gonna get you started <laughs> <laughs> so um last little bit is things that people did in that first couple weeks after you got home that mm-hmm. were good. Well, let's start with the negative. <laughs> Things that people did or said that were said in the right, with the right attitude, the right heart, but maybe you would say, don't say to anybody else. Was there anything that was said that you would say? You know, you were saying one thing earlier to me, and it was, um, I know how you feel. Mm. I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through. (laughs) Yes. Never say that. Um, Don't tell anybody that you know what they're going through because you don't. We're all different. There's not a blanket over it. Um, I didn't have a lot of people. So when I went back to work, a lot of people would just give me hugs and not say anything. Is that good? That is good. Because words, for me, cause so much emotion. Hmm. I um, God put it on my heart to go to um, Turning Point, which was a recovery. And I don't know, I didn't really want to go. Mm-hmm. But God said, you need to go. Yeah. Um, and during that, I got to tell my story about how God changed my heart. And I think mm. that there's still people that I talked to through that group. And those people 
still couldn't believe that I was the girl on TV <laughs> and that I was there because they're like, well, you, you like that was a week. I had literally entered this program within a week and they're like, wow. how are you like functioning? You know right, what I mean? right, right. So never judge a book by its cover mm-hmm. because I always looked functioning. You looked good. I looked good. I looked normal mm-hmm. for the most part, except during the time that I would binge. Um, but they were really accepting. And they the words that they said to me were, you know, we're here for you mm-hmm. if you need anything. Mm-hmm. Because they already knew that I was, I was pretty darn determined mm-hmm. that I was going to do this. Mm-hmm. On top of everything else that I was going to do. I was still working full-time. I still go to school full-time. I went through this every, like, I think it was, like, four nights a week. Wow. Right after work. I would go. a long day. mm -hmm, (laughs) I would go to these meetings and talk and share. And I was able to really share on what God was doing in my life. Even though it was a recovery and they don't go by with what God says and celebrate recovery. But I got to get familiar with celebrate recovery there and that's why i think god wanted me there that's awesome so what were some things that were done for you or said that were good you said one hugs about words um what else is good just you know my family was just super supportive i didn't really you know i don't remember words per se but i just remember them being encouraging that they knew that i got this you know at first Everyone was, of course, skeptical of if I was going to turn back and drink. But like I said before, I have not had anything that has wanted me to drink. So I haven't had, I didn't have, I never had cravings. So I don't know what it's like. I know I crave chocolate, but I don't know (laughs) what it's like to crave alcohol per se. I drank just to to close those emotions. Um, not to say that 2020 has been this fantastic year <laughs> and there were no emotions in this year, but they weren't ones that caused me to drink. Um, but they have caused me to learn to cry and to mm. express emotions. So that's actually a good thing. Yes. Because I never had a, ask anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I would not cry. You would never see me cry. Wow. You would never see me have an emotion or just, you know, like I was depressed and you weren't going to see that. Like it wasn't yeah. going to happen. Um, but my family, my whole family, you know, my side was very, very supportive. Um, in the midst of all this, which is, I think what a lot of people think was super crazy is my husband and I bought a new house during the Oh my goodness. So, so right after you So right after this, um almost two weeks after I came home, we put an offer on a new home. And moved. And we moved in December. <laughs> that is kind of crazy. And but Daniel and I like it, life was different when I came home. Like it was different. I was yeah. a different person. Um it took probably until April of this year for almost everybody to see that I was a different person. But Everybody always had encouraging words to say. Like I said before, there are, um, there's only one family member that really doesn't want anything to do with me, um, which is fine in time, you know? So I want to ask you this, and then we'll end with this. Are, you know, we gave Daniel a, a super duper shout out. Are there any other, you keep saying your family members were completely supportive. Mm-hmm. Any other people that you'd want to? Uh, my best friend, Jen, she's been there. She stayed with Daniel while well, she would come during the day 
when I was missing and be there with him and be mm-hmm. supportive. And since then, you know, her and I talk all the time. She mm-hmm. checks on me. I check on her. Um, our relationship, our friendship has completely changed mm-hmm. since all this happened. Um, and I, and she's honestly the first friend that I can call a friend outside of family that I've fully been able to trust since the abuse happened. So I have never let anybody in my life fully until all this and then her. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I hope that there are people out there in podcast land that you were talking to. Okay. I hope so too. You, you did awesome. And, um, I am going to stay tuned to see about your never alone business because I think that's going to be awesome. So thank you very much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Graceful Stories, where we get the opportunity to see the grace of our Heavenly Dad in the real stories of our guests. I would like to thank our guest today, Jennifer Rodriguez, for sharing her story and helping us see how she never felt abandoned by Jesus, and in fact, has felt His presence in a powerful way, giving Him credit for her success today. If you would like to speak to Jennifer regarding her Never Alone project, or if you have any questions or would even just like to share your story, message us and we will get right back with you. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe so that you never miss a story and stay tuned next time to hear another story that hit the headlines when our guest's precious younger brother died in a plane crash. Until next time, my friends, put your faith in Jesus because God's got this.